0: I got a question for you if you were given the chance do you think you'd trade lives with warren buffett you know who that is right it's like i don't think he's the richest man alive anymore i think somebody i think elon musk has passed him now but he's like one of the richest men alive i think his net worth is over a hundred billion dollars which i can't even wrap my mind around like that figure of money He can probably pick up the phone and call anybody that he wants to, and they're going to answer the phone because who doesn't call Warren Buffett back, right? He probably spends his days now doing whatever it is that he wants to do. I don't know what that is, but whatever it is he wants to do, he can go do it. Wherever it is he wants to go, he can go there. If you were given the chance, would you trade lives with him right now? Snap your fingers and all of a sudden he becomes you and you become him. My guess is that you probably wouldn't once you got the whole picture. Because Warren Buffett is 92 years old. So the reality is for me when I think about that question is that it it doesn't really matter how much money or how much fame or what kind of connections that he has in his life. There is no way that I would want to trade lives with him. And give up all the time that I have in front of me for the very limited amount of time that he has in front of him. Which I think is a way for us to see something that that we probably already know. And that is that time, the time that we have, is our most valuable resource. It's the most valuable thing that we have in our lives, more than any amount of money, more than any amount of fame, more than any amount of trips or potential that we have, that the time that we have left to live, to be in community, to be with our families, that is more important than anything else that life could ever give us. For some reason, right around this time of year, however the holidays fall, but that week that we get in between Christmas and New Year's, what I always find myself thinking of is time. I always feel like I had this renewed sense or this renewed awareness of how valuable our time really is. And I don't really know why. I don't know if it's why, because it always seems like when I look back that the last year just flew by and, and I don't even really know where it where it went or maybe it's because I always feel this pressure as we enter a new year to begin to reevaluate how it is I actually want to be spending my time or how I could better spend my time in in the new year but this stretch of time it always has me seeing with clear eyes just how valuable our time really is and, and usually where I end up on New Year's Eve and on New Year's Day and on this like first couple of weeks of the new year when this is really still in the forefront of my brain is, is asking the question, how should I be spending my time? What should I be doing with all of this time that I feel like I have now that we've turned over a new leaf and we enter into a new year? Sometimes I even find myself wondering on New Year's Eve how many New Year's Eves I'll have left. And I don't mean that in a morbid way, but in more of like a healthy kind of pressure way. Like, am I actually making the time that I have count? Am I actually taking advantage of the opportunities that are before me for me to spend my time well? Am I spending my time on things that matter or am I spending my time on things that don't? It's like just right around this season every year I'm I'm reminded of something that I already know but something that I just forget and it's that my time our time here on earth is limited that none of us are going to live forever that it's a resource that eventually will run dry we only get so much of it And every time, right around this year, that begins to creep back into my head. And if I sit with it long enough, it allows me, and maybe you're similar, right? It allows me to set a trajectory for the new year that hopefully will have me living as a healthier version of myself in the year that is to come. Because, I mean, really, that's what most New Year's resolutions center around, isn't it? Some sort of health, whether it's mental health or spiritual health or physical health. So that's part of it, right? And I think that's important for us as a people of faith. What I'm a little bit more concerned about for us here this morning is not just how we can live healthier lives in the new year, but how perhaps we could spend our time in such a way that we would live more faithful lives, that because of the choices that we make around how we're going to spend our time and what we're going to do, that maybe we would be able to live more like the people that God is calling us to be. That maybe we would make time to go wherever it is that we feel like God is calling us to go. So that's what we're going to spend our time talking about a little bit this morning. It felt really fitting for me for a Sunday that lands on New Year's Day. And if I'm being honest with you, it's just where my head has been this week. And so it's it's what I've found myself meditating on. As we enter the new year, how should we as a people of faith be spending our time so that we can live lives of purpose and growth and fullness and wholeness so that we can be a people who are walking with Christ. By the time that we get to the end, I think what you'll see is that it's, it's really not as complicated as we might think. To help us get there, I want us to look at a snippet of the story of someone who you may or may not know from Scripture. His name was King Hezekiah. Does that name ring a bell for many of you? He was one of the kings of Judah. And we find his story kind of peppered throughout Scripture, but we find the bulk of his story in 2 Kings. He was one of the later kings of Judah leading up to the Babylonian exile. So this is when Israel had split into two kingdoms, the north Israel and the south Judah. And Hezekiah is the king of the south if you read 1st and 2nd Kings you're going to see this trajectory that is the monarchy of Israel. And and what you realize when you read this is that the best king to ever do it, the best king to ever be king of Israel, the king that everybody has to try and live up to is King David. The king that we all know the best. And the story, the narrator, doesn't try to hide this at all, right? If this is the king of Israel, they are either like David or they are not like David. They either have a relationship with God that resembles the relationship that David had with God or they don't have a relationship that resembles the kind of relationship that David had with God. They're either a king that lives up to this Davidic standard or they are a king that doesn't. They're either a good king or they are a bad king. And King Hezekiah is one of those kings that does just about everything right. During his period of leadership over Judah in the south, they're almost under constant threat from Assyria, who was the big bad bully in the north. Assyria is the empire that Jonah is called to go and prophesy to, that he runs from because he really doesn't want to find himself in the middle of Assyria Assyria is trying to find a way to capture Judah just about the whole time that Hezekiah is in charge. And if you read the story, it seems like because of Hezekiah's faithfulness, because of his willingness to trust God and rely on the word of the prophet Isaiah, he makes it out alive with his kingdom intact. It's almost like against all odds, Hezekiah and Judah managed to not get captured by Assyria. That's what you'd find if you were to read 2 Kings chapters 18 and 19 is the story of that. The passage that I want us to read together today is from 2 Kings chapter 20. And it's when we begin to near, get get, get close to the end of Hezekiah's life. Let's go ahead and throw it up on the screen and let's read it. 2 Kings chapter 20 verses 1 to 7. In those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah son of Amos came and said to him, thus says the Lord, set your house in order for you shall die. You shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember now, O Lord, I implore you how I have walked before you in faithfulness with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. Hezekiah wept bitterly before Isaiah had gone out of the middle of the court and the word of the Lord came to him. Turn back and say to Hezekiah, Prince of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of your ancestor David, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Indeed, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake then isaiah said bring a lump of figs let them take it and apply it to the boil so that he may recover this is the word of god for you the people of god and we say together thanks be to god so hezekiah falls ill he gets sick he has this boil somewhere on his body and he's told by isaiah so he knows it's the truth that it comes from god that this is actually what's going to kill him and that he doesn't have a lot of time to live and he needs to get his house in order To make sure that he has done everything that he needs to do before he dies. And Hezekiah does something that all of us would do. He asks for more time. He calls upon God. He says, Lord, remember how I have walked faithfully with you, how I have done what you called me to do, how I have led your people the way that you asked me to lead them. Remember that, Lord. And then maybe decide to give me just a little bit more time. And God does. Isaiah doesn't even get all the way out of the palace before God tells him to go back and tell Hezekiah that he is going to live. That the Lord has heard his prayer that God is going to give him 15 more years. What I realized, and I think the reason I thought of this story is that I think Hezekiah in this moment finds himself in maybe a more extreme situation, but still a situation that is really similar to where I find myself right around the turn of the new year. For Hezekiah, it's because of his illness, but he has suddenly been reminded that his time here on earth is finite, very finite in his situation. He seems to have this renewed sense of awareness of just how valuable the time that he has left really is, how maybe it's his most valuable asset because notice it's the only thing that he asks for from God. And we think at least that surely he is he's motivated to spend whatever time he has left well on the things that matter the most rather than the things that don't matter at all i think it begs the question for us right like how how would we live how how would we actually spend our time if we like hezekiah knew how much time we had left that question it reminded me of a calendar that somebody showed me in seminary It was in a class, I don't remember which one, but we were looking at how the ancient Stoic philosophers, how they affected the early Christian movement with their thinking and with their writing and these ancient stoic philosophers a lot of people believe that Paul and his writing was really greatly influenced by this school of thought because of where he was raised but they felt these stoics felt that if they could keep this understanding of just how limited their time actually was in the forefront of their brain as much as possible that it would lead them to spend their time well and to do that, they kept this calendar. Jason, I'm going to ask you to throw that, that picture up on the screen. And it's going to be hard to see. I can see it better up here. But what it says up top is 52 weeks. So every row across has 52 squares. And then what it says on the right-hand side is 80 years. So you can see that this calendar, it tries to give you a visual of what 80 years of life looks like. So I think it's filled in to about 25 years. But... But the aim is, and what these Stoics would do, is that at the end of every week, they would sit down and fill in one of those squares, which gives you an unavoidable reminder of if you are blessed enough to live to 80 years, then this is what that life looks like. So you can't help but face every day, well, this is, it looks like how much time I have left. This is how much time I have spent. Am I proud of how I spent this last week? Do I have plans for how I'm going to spend the next week or perhaps the next month or perhaps the rest of the year? I think it's really interesting because it's almost like every week they force themselves to carve out time and ask the questions that we find ourselves asking right now. Have I spent my time wisely? Will I spend the time that I have left on the things that matter or the things that don't? If you were to keep reading Hezekiah's story, you would see that he did not spend the time that he was given wisely. He was granted 15 more years, and it doesn't really get used that well. God saves him from those bullies, Assyria up north. But then it seems like out of nowhere, Hezekiah starts receiving letters and eventually receives an envoy of visitors from a place called Babylon. And Hezekiah, for an unknown reason, we don't really get to see inside of his brain, but he decides to show the king of Babylon everything that there is to show in the kingdom of Judah. He shows them all of the gold and the silver and the, ju- the jewels that he has in his royal treasury. He shows them all of the gold and, and the ornate furniture and cups and chalices that live in the temple of the Lord. He shows them his armory, all of his weapons and all of his troops. He shows them where all of his watchtowers are. He even shows them what they have in the storehouses all of the food and the water and the grain to make sure that if a drought strikes, he and his people will be okay. And just like God sent Isaiah to deliver the word that Hezekiah would get 15 more years, God sends Isaiah to deliver the word to Hezekiah in response to his actions, that one day this people, these people called the Babylonians that one day they would cart off all of the goods that Hezekiah had shown them, including some of Hezekiah's sons. It's one of the first mentions of the Babylonian exile that we get in Scripture. Hezekiah is given 15 more years to live, and he does not spend it wisely. The question for us, the question I've been trying to get you to ask of yourself, the question I've been asking myself this week is, will we spend the time that we have left wisely? Will we spend it scrolling mindlessly on our phones? Me and Madison call that doom scrolling when we do that at night, right? It's like you get sucked into this vortex and then you come out of it and you're like, has it been five minutes or five hours? I have no clue. Is that how we're going to spend our time? Are we going to spend our time more worried about our stuff or our possessions or the stuff that we accumulate or whatever that is for you? Are we going to spend our more time concerned about that than anything else? I mean, the simple way to ask it is what we've already said. Are we going to spend our time on the stuff that matters? Or are we going to spend our time on the stuff that doesn't? When I think about that question, how I should be spending my time, I think about all the stuff that you've already thought of the stuff that we all seek to do as we enter in to the new year I think about how I should spend more time with my family how I should cherish the time that I have with them how I should be trying to be the best father and the best husband that I can possibly be for Madison and for Reed and how I know that that is going to take some time and I'm going to have to be willing to give that area of my life a generous heaping amount of time I think about how I should spend more time in prayer, how I should make that a part of my daily routine, how that should be something that I give time to every single day to make sure that I'm spending at least part of my day seeking out and listening for what God is calling me to do with my life. I think about how I should make sure to spend some time serving others, to make sure that part of my time is spent seeking to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. I think about how I want to make sure that because of how I'm spending part of my time and my energy that others are discovering the love that I believe God has for them. I think about how I should spend my time investing in the people around me, my close friends and my, and my close relationships to make sure that they know that I care for them and that ultimately that God cares for them. I think about how I should spend, spend time every day reading scripture. Allowing the truth and the hope and the grace that we find in that holy book to speak into my life and guide me as I seek to be whoever it is God is calling me to be. I even think about how I should spend time taking care of my physical health so I can take good care of the body that God has given me so that again I can go and do what it is God is calling me to do. You may have, need to be re- may have needed to be reminded of a few of those things, but that's all stuff we've thought of before, right? I mean, that's all thats all standard. That's all stuff that maybe we strive to do. If you're like me, you strive to do it every year. You have your sights set on it. You make your bullet list, right? You figure out how your day could be structured to check all of those boxes, at least to check all of those boxes in a week, and it lasts for a couple of weeks, but then it usually ends up falling off the tracks, right? If you're like me, you usually don't make it a whole year actually checking all of those boxes. And, you know, I think when we list them all out like that, it sounds like so much. It sounds so so complicated. It sounds so complex. It seems like all these moving parts, all this stuff that we're trying to cram into our day, plus keep a job, plus do things that make us happy, right? And it's like despite how motivated we may feel to use our time in that way, it just doesn't feel doable. It just doesn't feel realistic. But what I realized this week is that all of those things that we have listed, I think, really just fall into two categories. And when I think about it like that, suddenly for me at least, and maybe it will for you, suddenly for me it feels like it becomes a whole lot more doable in Luke chapter 10 an expert of the law stands up and decides that he is going to test Jesus and so he asked Jesus this question teacher he says what must I do to inherit eternal life what I realized this week is what I think that expert in the law is really asking Jesus is Jesus what should I really be spending my time on What is it that if I do it, if I spend my time doing it, if I make sure that I always do these things, what is it that will lead me to live a life of fullness, a life of purpose, a life of growth, a life that will ultimately lead me to inherit the eternal life that you have promised me? What is it, teacher? What is it that I should be spending my time on? The question, of course, is asked a little bit tongue-in-cheek by the lawyer. Because this is somebody that is attempting to trap Jesus with this question in front of the other experts of the law. It's a trap because we've already talked about how this is a near impossible question to answer, right? Because there is so many things that we could fill in that box of what we need to do to make sure we are spending our time well, and Jesus replies to the man and asks him a question. Well, what is it that is written in the law? Because he's an expert of the law after all. And this is what he says, the lawyer. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and with your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live those are the two buckets jesus gives them to us the lawyer asks the question and jesus responds you know the answer to this question the two buckets are to love god and love neighbor i mean really friends i think that's it that's where i've landed this week That big, looming question that we ask ourselves at the turn of every new year, that pressure that we feel to spend our time well, to make it count, to not waste it, the answer to that question is to simply be a people who each and every day are willing to spend time doing two things, loving God and loving neighbor. I've landed this week convinced That if we are able to spend our time in 2023, if each and every day we can find a way to do those two things at least once, that if we can find one way to pour into our relationship with God, to love God, and if we can find one way to show someone that we encounter during the day that God cares for them and that we care for them, that when we hit this time next year, and we look back at what 2023 was for us, all of the ups and all of the downs that we will encounter, I think we would be able to look back with peace, knowing that we spent our time well. That we made a difference. That we lived with purpose. That we made every single one of those little boxes on that stoic calendar, right? That we made every single one of those little boxes count. My prayer for myself leading into the new year friends and my prayer for you is that we wouldn't overcomplicate who it is we know Jesus is calling us to be because it really is pretty simple. Jesus calls us to be a people who are willing to spend our time, willing to spend our most valuable resource The people who are willing to spend it simply loving God and loving neighbor. My hope is that because of Christ working in us and through us, because of the Holy Spirit filling us up, because of our reliance on Christ with us each and every day, that we might be a community who over this next year would be known for doing those two simple things. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning in to our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.